Hey guys, welcome to Today's the Day with Zach Anderson. This episode is brought to you by Alchemy Sales Coaching. I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. I wanted to jump on super quick and let you guys know um, I'm extremely excited to announce that we finally have the top 10 journals live. They're on todaysthedayshop.com. Make sure you go and get yours. These things are perfect. We got them to the T exactly how we want them. It took longer than we were hoping, but they're amazing. I can't wait for you guys to go and implement these practices and develop these habits that have completely changed my life. So go and check out the journals, go and get yours today. Um, and I appreciate you guys. Much love. What up, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to Today's the Day with Zach Anderson. Today we have Mr. Dave Jensen with me, and I'm absolutely excited to chop it up. Dave, thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. I'm pre- excited to be here. Let's I appreciate go. you, brother. I appreciate you. We had a little mishap where I had sent the wrong date, and you showed up yesterday to record, and I was at work. So I apologize for that, and thanks for you making know, it work. I was just really excited. I know. I like it. Showing <laughs> up a day early. Um, real quick before we dive in with Dave, for those of you guys who don't know Dave, um, just my experience with Dave first and then kind of the bio that I've got of him. But like Dave is partnered up with Casey, who's obviously one of my biggest mentors. And and just the amount that Casey looks up to you is honestly like, it's mind boggling to me. I've never, like, mm-hmm. I've seen Casey look up to a few people, but he, he is like, he has been die hard that you need to be on this podcast. And you're on my list, of course, but like die hard that you need to be on the podcast That's cool. and get it done. So I'm, I'm really excited Super to go cool. through and kind of, kind of yeah. chop it up. But real quick bio on Dave, in case you don't know Dave. Um, born in Payson, Utah, raised in Vegas, one of six kids, right? Um, you ended up, you, you went to college at BYU, right? Yep. Ended up, ended up on wall street at one point. You're the co-founder of beacon data. You played pro ball for the KC Royals. You were a third round draft pick. Um, and now yep. co-founder and managing partner of the Sandlot partners, which obviously those that were listening on Casey's um, episode are familiar that you guys have deployed over $400 million of capital. And now you're married father of five so on and so forth. Obviously we're going to go kind of more in depth on all of that, but a nice little surface view. Um, my favorite thing to do is like rewind, like throw it way, way back. A lot of people know where you sit right now, especially in the Valley. They see you in your active role at Sandlot and they see you and Casey working in like dominating, like blowing up, absolutely crushing, dominating. Um, that's kind. No, I Yeah. As honest as it, as honest as I can be, like literally you guys are dominating, you're blowing it up. Um, and, and I knew Casey from his work life prior and now where he's at is like a whole different level. Like it's crazy. And you're, you're a huge part of that. So rewinding it though, way, 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 way back, like very, very beginning. So one of six kids, that's how many kids are in my family as well. Grew up in Vegas. What was the dynamic like growing up? What was the situation? What was your, your life? Uh, yeah. I mean, I grew up in, um, just outside Las Vegas, Henderson, Nevada, and uh, desert, hot, dry, a little bit of wind, uh, casinos. <laughs> you know, my dad was a lawyer there. He worked for a lot of those casinos. And, um, you know, I don't think at the time I thought much about the slot machines and every gas station and gas stations open 24-7 <laughs> and, you know, my high school prom and homecoming just being, frankly, a lot cooler than yours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you could get a little bit more rowdy, I assume. Yeah, you definitely could do that too. But as far as like, you know, going to watch whatever, you wouldn't even know this is like Siegfried and Roy or uh, just these crazy world-class magic shows and singers and 
And so, um, and I was going to Top Golf. You were going to Top. Yeah. You're going to Top Golf and Chuckarama. Yeah. You know <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So one of six. Where are you in the lineup of siblings? So there's four boys, and then there's two little girls, and I have two older brothers. I'm number three, so I'm number three um, as well. That's that's cool. Super cool. So four boys, two girls, and the girls are the youngest. Yep. That's like perfect scenario. Older brothers take care of the little sisters. That's dope. That's yeah. really cool. No, I, I, I like it too. There you go. When we had a bunch of girls to start out, I was like, wait, this isn't right. It's like this is a little backwards. That's not really just how it works, you know? There you go. So. Exactly. Um, so then, then fast forwarding as time kind of went on, um, what was, so dad was a lawyer, mom was stay home mom. Yep. Cool. Um, and then as you got through, through high school, I'm assuming to, to end up playing pro ball, baseball was a massive focus as you got into high school and everything like that. Yeah. I assume. Right. What was your high school experience like? Obviously proms were more fun than mine <laughs> different, very different from where I'm, where I'm from, but yeah. Um, you know, I went to this school called green Valley high school. Um, I don't know if this is bigger or littler than your school is like 3,500 kids. So mm. pretty decent sized. Um, I had a great experience. You know, I was fortunate. I had a couple brothers that kind of blazed the trail. So when I showed up my freshman year, other than the the seniors that back then that, you know, s- smacked my butt with the wooden paddle and like the pre-freshman hazing that doesn't exist anymore in today's world, which was a real thing. Um, <laughs> other than that, like life was pretty, probably in some ways a little bit better, a little easier. The coaches, the teachers and my brothers were good dudes. There were athletes. And um, so, yeah, I had a great experience. I at that point in time, I was definitely more into the, the social, the sports. I, I tried to keep up at school. Um you know, stuff was important in my house, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I was all about football and baseball and in my school. Um, and I did that, you know, through my senior year, uh, but baseball was just like crazy, crazy good there. Um, nationally ranked teams, four kids a year on average getting drafted professionally. That's crazy. Um, just like really, really competitive. And it all ties back to this amazing coach. That's a complete legend out there. This guy named Roger Fairless that changed my life. You know, I could, I could talk for a long time about him. We'll probably, yeah. probably should get into that for a minute. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Please. Like what, like, what would you say? One of the things that you took away from him that you say he's such a legend for that has helped you. Cause obviously as we go and break things down with most people, you realize a lot of things in high school or even early on end up affecting everything and like kind of like breakthroughs in high school go and shape the way that you kind of function throughout your professional life as well. What was something or a couple things you think were so special about him that he, either taught you or showed you or whatever it may be. You know, it's funny as you're saying that I'm thinking of certain things, kind of tying them for, together for the first time. And, you know, um, I've recently been getting into like this Tony Robbins stuff. Some of that's because, you know, Casey and others around here are into it. And I we went to an event out. together. Totally. Yeah. We yeah it's, UPW. It's, blessed, it's blessed my life. But one of the simplest thing that he talks about is just changing your standards, like raising your standards. And when I walked into that program, they had won state three years in a row. It was expected that every single year we're going to win. It was expected you're going to work super hard, that you might not make the team. You're probably going to lose weight because you, you had to like run two miles in under this time and be able to do like certain physical activity. I mean, we're talking about baseball here. We're, yeah. we're not talking about wrestling, but I've dropped 10, 15 pounds as we got ready for this, this season. And people <laughs> that were like my buddies from Little League that were the best players, some of them were just quitting because of the the mental side of it and just how tough he was on them and then yeah. liking that. Yeah. And so they would like literally move across to you know, like Durango high school 
where they also had a really good baseball team, but it was a little bit different MO. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you, you'd ask yourself the same question sometimes when you're just getting the crap kicked out of you. I mean, so, so maybe I'll give you some, some like examples. Yeah, please, for a please. Um, so like you just to give some examples, um, you know, we, if, if you didn't like sprint out to your position, um, when it was time to go out to take the field or sprint back after that third out, you could be expected to get pulled and sat on the bench. And then whether you were the future first round pick or the kid just barely trying to make the team. No way. If, if you walked ball four and you didn't sprint to first and there's a specific way to touch the inner part of the base, with your left foot turn, identify the third base coach and show how many outs there were. If you didn't do that, which we practiced all the time, uh, you might get pulled from the game. If, if a pitch came up and in and you didn't turn your back and take it off the shoulder, you also might be done. And so we literally rather than letting it miss you and yeah. not, not taking the walk. <laughs> yeah. But take it the right way. So we practice that. So it's like, Hey, everybody get it home plate. We're finishing practice. Today's conditioning. We're going to work on taking a pitch for the team and sprinting to first and touching the first base the right way. <laughs> get in line. This dude's a mm-hmm. unit, bro. And so like, <laughs> I mean, so I chucking the ball and guess what? If it nicked your shirt and you ran to first, you, 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 you just didn't do that. You just say, Hey, I'm going to stand in here until I get a proper dose from this coach off the back. And so, and you sprint first and you get back in line and you can take another one, another drill, you know, that just, just kind of ripped the fear right out of us was like, I was infielder. I played first base. I'm a left-hander and all the infielders go to shortstop, get in line. I'm going to stand here at the pitcher's mound with a three buckets of balls, a fungo bat that can hit the ball real hard at you. And like your job is to, Keep it in front of you, catch it if you can, but either way, keep it in front of you, pick up the ball, throw it to first, get back to the end of the line. Okay. And so to the extent that somebody starts like olaying it or yeah. like pulling their head off, and it happened once or twice, said, All right, everybody throw the gloves on the ground. No gloves, same drill. Let's go. And so you just oh, hell. hammering that ball. <laughs> and you're like a catcher with no catcher's gear on. Keep that ball in front, sometimes off the chin, off the arm. You get these welts, you know, hits you square in the cup. And <laughs> And you just pick that sucker up and you throw it to first and like, and that's, that's what's, what's, what's going on in that particular activity. Dude. Um, by the time you get to the game, like the easiest thing you have to do, you are just like built for war and you expect to win. You know that you've worked harder than everybody across the field. And frankly, it kind of feels like they kind of know it too. Yeah. Cause they come into your home field and there's tradition. There's guys playing pro ball. You're undefeated. I, we were 33 and two my last year, ranked number four in the country. Um, and that was the sixth year in a row that we won state. What I just went through probably sounds about like this, right? Yeah. And it, here's what actually happened. I went like this. I went like this, almost quit. And then I went back like this. And so I, what, I, I yeah, wanna, what was wanna, going wanna, on with that drop? Yeah. So I want to talk about that for a second. Yeah. Um, and so like um, to make the JV team was pretty hard to get onto the varsity team was, you know, super hard. And to do that, you know, without being a senior or a junior almost didn't happen. And so, you know, my sophomore year, I got called up to varsity. Um, and I, I just lost my mind. I couldn't even believe it. You know, I'm nervous, but somehow I like performed really well. Things are great. I ended up starting the rest of the season. I'm the only sophomore out there. Yeah. And like we went state, I dogpile. I'm a big part of it. And I'm just feeling like, Hell yeah. That's like a peak. You know, like look where I'm headed. Yeah. Look, look what I did. Right. I show up that next season, you know, 
And I'm like kind of carrying that type of attitude. And my, my coach gets like one little sniff of that. And like, you know, he just, he snuffs that puppy out and he like, wasn't having it and he comes at you, you know what I'm saying? Cause there will be nobody that's above the team when he's in charge. Yeah. doesn't matter who you are. And that's what makes it such a great cohesive unit too. So he's coming at me and I'm having a bad attitude and, you know, and, um, riding me. And then I just didn't start performing well. I, st- I got in my head. He got in my head. I'm like hating him. Mm. I'm not performing. I end up sitting the bench as a junior as we won state again without, oh, without me. And, where your sophomore year, you were out there. Oh yeah. And my, my, my heart is like broken. I'm feeling embarrassed. Like my pride is hurt. And I tell my dad, dad, I think I'm just going to quit. I think like, I can't even believe this happened. Maybe I'll just do football. Like this is the worst I've ever felt about sports. And yeah. And he says, Hey, before, um, before you quit, you know, and I totally respect if that's where you want to go, but let's just go try this one thing in Southern California with this one coach that helped one of your other teammates hit their stride. So, okay. All right, let's try that. And I ended up meeting this guy. Um, you know, this guy named Scott, who's tremendous, both, but what was crazy was just the mental side, right? He yeah. Just, we, we sat there for three hours in uh, Irvine, California, before I even put on my batting gloves and took a swing three hours doing what talking about the mental game of baseball, talking about the relationship with my coach, talking about what my fears were, why my feelings were hurt, you know, just talking about how to approach adversity, you know what mm. I mean? Um, mm. And how to work through it and how to like control the things you can control, but not, con- and you know, let the other things go. And then, and setting goals. Like, Hey, what do you think you, if you're going to go back and do this, like what's the approach that's going to work? What are you going to do outside of all that stuff that other, your teammates aren't doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I started to get some momentum, some enthusiasm, some confidence. This guy believes in me. He's got this contagious energy about him. And then, we start getting into my swing and he just kind of helped me get through a couple of things on top of it all. So yeah, I didn't talk to my coach. I just went and played in the summer. He wasn't my coach. We kicked butt. Um, I did, I did a lot better. Um, and then that fall, you know, I'm playing, I'm about to start the football season and, um, I got a, I had had at that point a couple concussions and I'd kind of missed my college recruiting window for baseball because I was sitting on the bench the yeah. previous year. And, and I had a decision to make. My coach approached me, the one that was tough, Coach Fairless. And he said, yeah. hey, I appreciate your effort, your hustle. You, uh, I got you on if you want it. You know, this scout league, Chicago Cubs wood bat team. But it's in Phoenix and it's every weekend during the football season. So you got a choice to make. But if you want it, you'll get some great exposure. Due to the concussions and just me feeling like baseball was probably more my ticket and I loved it more. I said, let's do this. So kind of a bittersweet thing. Cause I had all my teammates and my homies on the football team and I'm yeah. like, guys, I got to go do this. But you know, how those things go, you know, Full your, your friends still love you and, yep. and you, you just press forward. So, um, it, you know, and, and my mom and dad had taught me super, you know, hard work ethic. And, um, one of the cool experiences I have th- that I bonded with my dad on was he took me down to Phoenix, like every weekend, he was a busy guy. Yeah. And he knew that this was a unique opportunity and, um, he, he, he needed to help me. So, but he didn't just like bring me down there. This is cool about my dad. And this is like the hustler and the grit that coach fairless taught me to it to some extent. Right. You can see it wasn't just from coach, but my dad, like he, he was out 
literally networking, hustling, grabbing college coaches, grabbing pro scouts, literally pulling them from the shoulder, pulling them over to come watch me at my next putting day. in work, putting in real work. That's and he, he was dope. pretty. He's pretty convincing. He's like a partner at a law firm. He had to do a lot of that type of persuasive stuff. And yeah. And so at the right moment in time, you know, uh, coach Gary Pollins with Brigham Young University's head baseball coach, he pulls him over and I, I crush a ball in the gap. He sticks around. I hit another two doubles in that game. And, you know, I ended up getting a scholarship opportunity. I had some others, but I ended up choosing to go to BYU. And, um, and then my senior year, um, you know, I just got back to that, that stride. Um, and, and we won state and, um, and like I got drafted professionally, um, and had some other offers to other schools, but I really truly look back to that moment when I almost quit. Yeah. And I, I asked myself this, I kid you not, maybe every other day, like what would have happened if I would have given up, you know, at that moment and like, what kind of character can I attribute back to the rest of my success? literally to that moment and the habits that I learned and the willingness to go dig in. Well, dude, not even so surface level with that question, like what would have happened? And, and I, I want to go back and break down a couple things in there. Cause that's so, that makes so much sense. Like that's so sick. Um, but not only like what would have happened had you not kept playing baseball and quit baseball, actually what I think would have been more detrimental to like your life in general is how you do something is how you do everything. And if you start, like quitting early, it turns into something that, that continuously happens, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's not even like, Oh, you would have missed out on the chance to go and play pro ball or anything like that. Like that, that might not even be the extent of You're it. It might be like way deeper setting than that. a standard of sometimes I quit or I quit when it gets hard. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than no matter what, like I go figure it out. There's going to be ups where I'm yeah. like king of the world. There's going to be yeah. downs where I don't want to be here at all, yeah. but I'm going to ride it out and make it work. So that's really cool. And then that coach, like, what he was doing along the whole way. Cause I see like those, those little things are the difference makers in everything. Like if you can go and get up to bat with absolutely zero fear and knowing exactly what to do, like the little things, the way that you know exactly how you're going to, your foot's going to go touch the base and you're going to make sure your third base coach yeah. knows how many outs there are. Those, those little things are what make the big difference when you put that with every single player all the way through. So noticing little things compound, like, your coach sounds like such a genius at a high school level too, which is a, like insane. Yeah. And obviously there's props to everyone involved, but the coach mainly, like when you go read about these, these coaches, like a John Wooden even yep. in basketball, very, very similar mindset. Like the first thing he teaches you is how to put on your socks. Yeah. Right. Which is like, to me, it's so crazy. Like it makes perfect sense. That's so dope. So, yeah. so yeah, on your coach, you are mentioning as well, like yeah. not only was he like this he was so hardcore and how he did things because he obviously cared about you guys. He went and got you the shot in the, in the, um, that other league and everything through your football season. But like what, what else was so special about him? Like that, that I guess he had this like unique ability, like a lot of really good leaders do to both like scare you and also, and like push you, but also like you just somehow wanted to please him so bad. And every once in a while, he'd just give you like this compliment they would keep you going for another couple of weeks. Like I remember he'd tell me great hands, Jensen. And it was just like, it was just, it just like my heart warmed. <laughs> You're like, yes. <laughs> You're like, I did it. I mean, I literally like, I, my heart just warmed saying that to you because he was like that tough. But I also, and I'll give you another example. Um, he, you know, he was old school. You respect the game. You don't wear your hat backwards. Like if I see you, 
guys wearing your hats backwards. And this might sound funny around here because especially, you know, here in Utah County, but like that's disrespectful to the game of baseball and you're part of this team. So if I see you at the basketball game on Friday night with your friends and your hats on backwards, when you show up to practice Saturday morning, go run some laps. <laughs> <laughs> I love this dude, bro. And so I love this dude. But here's here's where it gets kind of fun and cool. And like um, I have like distinct memory of, you know, getting on the bus after we won state and just this euphoria. Cause when you work that hard and you achieve something together with people, there's just nothing better. I'm convinced in all of life. Yeah. And, and um, right before he gets on the bus, somebody on the bus, like, Hey guys, every put your hat on backward. So the whole team puts the hats on backwards. He, <laughs> he gets on the bus and he looks at us and he goes, he just shakes his head, smiles. He goes, you mother curse. <laughs> This is your coach. He's, yeah, and so, he loved it. Like he, he loved it. He and loved and it. it wasn't just that, guys. Like in that moment, tears just start streaming down his face. Yeah. And everybody is just like sobbing, man. That's so cool. Because they just, you know, you knew that he loves you, but he, it's like the tough love. Yeah. You know? um, so anyway. Which oh, is, t- yeah, typically the most influential. Yeah. And I, is, the last thing I would say is like, I I text him now every two, three weeks. Yeah. Um, I've seen him a, a couple of times, the relationship that I have now, I didn't have then as, and he's been through some really hard things. Um, he's dealt with like, you know, multiple hip replacements and massive issues and cancer and hospital, you know, 50 times last year and really tough stuff. And so it's crazy to be texting him and calling him and like talking about life with him now. And yeah. in some ways, putting back the things he taught me to help him like feel better and to express my gratitude so he can feel at this moment in his life. Like he's done some really awesome stuff for other people. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's kind of been a real special part for me of the last you know couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah. I can only imagine how stoked he, like how stoked he would be to have that relationship with you now. That's so cool. I love that. Um, so then dude, baseball, baseball took off. You went, you were, you were third round, right? Draft pick ended up playing for the Casey Royals. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So like I, I ended up heading off to BYU, um, with like zero desire to actually, which is funny to play baseball. Yes. But like the honor code stuff and all that type of stuff, I was just like, you know, not into let's put it that way and and uh but i went and kind of had a a bad attitude again and um you know but eventually like season gets going life's getting better it's warm i'm playing ball you know um and i'm starting to kind of find good relationships with good people there some buddies on my team in particular they start getting all their calls to go serve missions Mm -hmm. and like i just was not into that I kind of told my coaches never going to happen. You can count me in for next year. Yeah. And then, um, they start going though. And I, I end up getting invited to a different Woodbat league this time up Fairbanks, Alaska to play for the gold panners against all these, you know, really good college and pro prospects. Um, and so I'm up there with the sun barely going down in the summertime, having a really amazing time, but importantly, like super away from, there's no social media and stuff. So you're really, truly disconnected for two, three months. Yeah. And I'm like thinking for the first time about, you know, deeper things. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of like for the first time ever, you know, start praying, start 
thinking about what do I actually want? What, what's this life mm. about? And maybe should I do this mission thing or not? And so like, I'm, I'm proud that I decided to go because of the reason, because I felt it myself, not because my mom was pushing me. So you did which, end up going. Yeah. Oh, um, dope. And I, I, uh, you know, and I, I also was proud that I, I did all that and surprised everybody. Like, didn't tell them I'm going to start doing paperwork. I just like one day showed up and said, Hey, you want to open this with me? Which <laughs> That's is crazy. Cool. So yeah. And I got called to serve to go to Uruguay. And like a lot of people in your orbit, you know, that was also super important part of my life. Yep. Super pivotal. And I worked, um, I worked really hard and developed some great relationships and, you know, so that's, uh, what I did. I, I got drafted again by the, um, Indians while I was out there, like 30 pounds down, hadn't swung a bat in a couple of years, got an email from my dad. The Indians picked you. you when you get home in three weeks, we'll sort it out. You got about 10 days to decide if you're going to do it or not before you go to school. And it kind of threw me off for a minute. You can't get a break. You're just go, go, go. Yeah. So I came back and, and I, uh, they worked me out and they gave me actually really good kind of, you know, decent kind of, you know, kind of low mid six figures type of offer for a 21 year old. But I just kind of was real clear, real fast with them. I just said, I feel like I need to, I need to go back and play one more year for a lot of reasons. One, cause I told my coach I would too, cause who knows if I'm even good anymore. Yeah. Three, it just kind of feels right. So I'm going to do that. So you turned down the offer. Like you turned down. Yeah. So I got up. Yeah, exactly. By the Reds and then by the Indians. And then I, I started super slow in the season, even though I was working hard, I just was rusty. And sometimes that's just how it goes. You know, you don't break through and then you get some momentum in life and in sports. And in this case, about a quarter of the way through the season, I was hanging out. I was, hanging, I was playing against the UNLV running rebels. Mm-hmm in Vegas where I'm from, I got my coach fairless in the crowd, my family, some friends. I had won a state championship on that field and just something about the magic and the familiarity. Let's go. I just like, just started going bonkers and I hit 240 uh, batting average up to that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ended the year four eleven, um, which, you know, is pretty, pretty good, <laughs> especially just that it, it kind of started so slow. So geez, anyway, so that uh, once again, you know, being able to like win a conference and some of those things with the team and the ups and the downs, and that's just kind of life. And, um, so I attribute a lot of that type of stuff back to sports. Um, I'm super grateful for sports and what I've learned from them. That's yeah. awesome. So then, then after, after that season, so you played one more, one more season of college ball, right? Yeah. Then I signed with the Royals. Then you signed with the Royals. How um, long did you play with the Royals? Three years, three years with the Royals. Yep. So I, I went hard, you know, uh, got paid to play a game, you know, the minor leagues are definitely not what some of y'all are thinking about right now. It's at least within the Royals organization. <laughs> Why, what does that mean? Uh, you know, it's like buses and, um, you know, I, I was fortunate. I made pretty good money signing bonus. Um, and so I kind of was in a better spot, but most of these guys, just came to have a chance to make the big leagues. And they were literally making about 1300 bucks gross per month pre-tax. And then when you're on the road, they give you 20 bucks a day to find some food for your, all three of your meals. Perfect. And so it was just That's like crazy. Anyway, they recently had some settlement that they agreed to pay minor league players more money. Cause it's basically slave labor. There you go. Um, 
but um i'm t- so that's like on some of that's just fun to i guess share some light about it yeah absolutely but I, um I, one of the fun stories was uh you know maybe a couple of them one was um my third day in you guys are so young you probably don't even know who george brett is you know he played in the uh the royals and he's a hall of famer and just a crazy passionate hard charging ball player and um Anyway, so my third day playing my ball, he he's scheduled to work me out and I'm out there on the big field with this Hall of Famer, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, you kind of have a hero that's like you're you're just like in some ways on his level and like how am I on this guy's level? Anyway, that's crazy. Anyways, but he he was super colorful. Everybody always known him. He almost got he got thrown out of a home run. Uh he came after an umpire because this thing called the Pine Tar incident against the Yankees. He hit a home run. Apparently the pine tar that used to have stickiness on your hands was apparently too high. And they, they said you're out at the end of the home run. And he just lost his freaking mind on the umpire. You have to go YouTube it sometime. Um, so this is the guy that <laughs> this I'm is the like, guy that's working you out. Yeah. Okay. And so dope. I show up. A lot of people call me DJ. Dave Jens is like, what's up, DJ? I'm like George. It's like, uh, how are we doing? I'm like, good, good. Hey, uh, be with you, right? I'm like, yes, sir. Like, you don't drink don't smoke I'm like uh nope nope he said uh you know dale murphy and steve young they're mormon uh or he said like you're mormon i was like yep yeah. It's like uh yeah vance law danny ainge like yep he's like hey and he kind of leaned in he's like hey dj guess what i'm mormon too i go <laughs> i go yeah george he goes yeah i believe in uh bring them young and bring them often <laughs> Then it perfectly encompasses personality. I love that. So then we get into like the hitting lesson. So you guys were friends immediately then. I just laughed. It was funny because my manager literally had told me the same joke like four days later or earlier. So it's just a recycled joke. I'm just like, oh, you guys are just all so funny. This is great. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he ends up giving me this lesson and it's like, he's, you know, oh, I, I guess I would say he starts flipping me balls trying to get me to hit the way that he hit. And apparently I'm not getting it. And he's like, like this? No, like this? No. He's like, here, you flip me balls. I'm like, okay. So I'm flipping balls to the Hall of Famer. And I kid you not, he might have been retired at that point eight years. He is hitting the ball with nothing behind it, no velocity, like off the wall, the big, you know, the big league yeah. wall. And he's 48. And I just got paid money to be this power hitting first baseman type of thing yeah and i'm just like and this he's guy, just this guy's something else that's he's, amazing he's just different you know some people are just different i love that um so that'll be one story a different story would just be uh spring training i actually played minor league ball with a guy named garth brooks um you know country singer and the he, garth he, brooks he had this like uh you know dream he kind of retired around for a second around 2002 i think it was mm-hmm and he just like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore type of thing. Yeah. And during that little window, he he uh, and the Royals came up with a little agreement where he'd come and play ball, get to live his dream, and he'd just be good to the fans. And that was the deal. And because the games don't matter in spring training because there's no record, you're just getting players warmed up for the season. Yeah. Like, cool. Let's do this. Yeah. So I'm, anyway, so I end up like working out with George. That's dope. Um, and, excuse me. Uh, with Garth. Garth. Yeah. And. But he was so freaking nice. I'd I'd go in to be showering and stuff. He'd be out there with like, you know, 60 fans. I'd come out 40 minutes later. He still got 10 fans. He just, he that was every day with a big old grin on his face. Loving it. And at some point, and I frankly, I didn't really even talk to him because I was like, I don't want to be that guy. 
you know? Yeah. But like the last day we're all about to bounce and he and I are happen to be getting like our arms get ice on them. And, you know, I'm just like, Hey Garth, I'm a big fan, man. Super cool to meet you. And, you know, and, uh, I was like, I do have a favor to ask. He's like, yeah, what's up, man? I'm like, I got a brother and a sister whose birthdays are, you know, the 21st and 23rd of March. Any chance I could get, uh, you to sign a couple bats of mine, you know, get right out of your hair. It would just mean the world to him. Like, oh, we got to It's their birthdays. Come on. We got to get them. So I'll give you some of my bats. Follow me. You know, he's in the big league locker room at that <laughs> moment. I happen to be in the minor league locker room. So he takes me all in there. Anyway, I guess in short, I'm a big fan of that guy because of his music, but also because I had a little window into like the type of human. He just is just a cool dude. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, just kind of one of those fun stories. I love that. That's dope. I like that story. Yeah. Okay. So then out of, out of baseball going in, I know nothing about this in-between phase of from baseball to when you were on wall street to now to like Sandlot. Sandlot. Yeah. So yeah. like just literally the run through of how that got to where we're at. And then I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far. It was brought to you by alchemy sales coaching. Now I typically don't run ads, um, but I feel very strongly about alchemy sales coaching. I started doing one-on-one coaching with Doug back in 2019. And since then I have gone and not only blown up my career and my earnings, Um, but it's really helped me through just the ups and downs of life. Now, the reason I feel so strongly about Alchemy is because it's a group of individuals not only focusing on furthering their sales career, but they're diving deep into inner work um, and becoming the best version of yourself so you can show up and be the best version of yourself. Um, Not only that, if you have any interest in doing any one-on-one coaching with me, I exclusively do all of my one-on-one coaching through Alchemy. Um, so for full access to me, go and check out alchemy. I think you'll absolutely love it. It's alchemysalescoaching.com. We will also go and post, um, the links in our bio and on stories, et cetera. So go check it out. So I, I played for three years. I had some epic experiences. Um, in the end, it just wasn't meant to be, I think, you know, had the dream to get that Aaron judge contract just didn't quite pan out. Um, but I had amazing experience when I finished out. Um, I went back, I finished up school, uh, at BYU. And then, um, I was getting heavily recruited to go do sales, uh, but for a medical technology, medical device company, um, called striker. And it turns out, here's a little fun stat for you that of the salespeople that they hire, um, they 82% of them played college and or professional sports. Um, so they have like a real tight profile and what they're kind of looking for. And so, you know, I clearly was kind of in that profile and I went at it and I was definitely didn't know much about what I was about to get into. Yep. Um, you know, that I'd be in surgeries every day and scrubs that I'd be helping coach doctors how to use like technical, like minimally invasive, you know, tools, shaver blades, scopes, visualization, camera heads for the, you know, that's knee, crazy. Knee scopes and rotator cuff repairs and ACL replacements and you know, appendectomies and all kinds of stuff, man. Uh, that was my world for a little shy of uh, two years. And they give you a he- hefty quota. You know, I don't know how it works at Vivint, but it's kind of like wherever you were at the end of the year, you bet you got to be 20% north of that or you're, you're either out or you're on probation in terms of like revenue you generated in your territory. And Jeez. so, um, so that was kind of my life. And um, it's a crazy environment. You, you be, you know, I don't know if it's, I don't think I'm inappropriate talking about all this stuff, but the realities are like your competitors in the same operating room with you with the same doctor trying to position his product next to yours or build a relationship with the guy. 
while the doctor's doing a surgery on a patient. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different type of game, dude. And Holy he's like cow. trying to convince the doctor to let him roll in his equipment for the next surgery so he could just give it a try. No strings attached. Meanwhile, the hospital and that doctor are paying to use your equipment. And so you're kind of like trying to ward off the competition all while there's like surgeries going on. Jeez. You know, that's a real thing that I don't know that's if it's like still, a real thing. I don't, I don't know if it's still that <laughs> there's way, no but. way that's still a real thing. There's no <laughs> that's shot. That's what it was. That's you know? remarkable. Yeah. So you did that two whole years. So I did that a couple of years. By the way, I like, I hate blood. If I get poked with the needle, I'm like, turn the other way. Oh my know? gosh. And so, you know, for that and, you know, main reason. And cause I just was like, I, I, I had made enough money playing ball to actually have a chance, you know, you've experienced this because this revolutionary thing where they unlock human potential at Vivint and some of these other companies with really young people early to actually be able to go generate sales, do something with your talents, your skills, build, you know, and build some economic like wealth for yourself early and have some means. So you have these decisions. What do I do with my money? You know, yeah. do I spend it all on a car? Do I save it? Do I invest it? Do I do some combination of those things? If I'm going to invest it, where do I invest it? So I, you know, I had, you know, half a million bucks at 22 and back then, I don't know what that's equivalent today, but you know, whatever, maybe more a million or something. And, and I had to make some decisions on where to put it. And I, I learned early, like this principles from richest man in Babylon. Like if, I don't know if you know that book. I love that book. Okay. Yep. That was one of the first so, books I read. Do you remember this dude, Arcod, who's like, trying to learn how to be like the richest man in Babylon, trying to become rich, you know? Yep. He's kind of like the little Zach, you know, <laughs> she's like, Hey, Casey, just tell me how, how you do it. You exactly. Know? You know, looking for some crumbs and he and finds he, the wrong people doing the wrong things. To well, he kind of <laughs> says the first thing the guy tells him, he's like, Hey, Arcod, okay. You need to like save your money. Uh, not just spend your money, like yep. save some of it. A portion every, of everything every you make is yours forever, forever. That's yep. it. So he comes back in a year if you recall, Says, how'd it go? Says, it went great. Cool. What'd you do with the money? Says, well, I gave it um, to a brickmaker. I gave it to the brickmaker who's headed over to trade for some jewels with the Phoenicians. And when he comes back, he's going to sell them and I'm going to get some of the profit. And he goes, You fool, you've lost your money. The Phoenicians are uh, scoundrels. They traded glass. And because the brickmakers are freaking brickmaker, <laughs> you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know, any know better. the difference. Yep. Let's see what you do. I'll see you next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And then I, anyway, he starts learning, like give the money to the best tailor to tailor clothes, not to make bricks, so on and so forth and, yep. and align yourself. Anyway. So some of those principles I learned the hard way when I was 22, I gave some money to the wrong people. And I just thought it, it frankly, it was the guy that told me about the great baseball lessons that helped me be really good at baseball. I was like, well, you know, and I trusted the heck out of him. He's like, you should invest it here and here. Like, yeah. It wasn't related to baseball. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Sounds great. And you trust him. So it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. As well. So like, honestly, it was one of the more important lessons, right? I think when you can learn those types of lessons, when you're young, um, you have a whole life where you benefit from some of that, like scar tissue. Absolutely. And maturity that you pick up pretty quick. Yep. And I made some other good investments with people in the right field, real estate professionals with real estate, so on and so forth. And at, 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 at the highest level, like that's exactly what Casey and I do all day, every day. So we just try to go find the absolute, absolute best brick maker who doesn't need any money typically. Yeah. <laughs> Convince them to take some of our money, figure out some terms that make sense, and then uh, have enough, 
you know, space there to bring in other people's capital, not just me and him. And like, we all go get to invest in that together yep. and, and, you know, compound our wealth, so on and so forth. So anyway, um, with that, I was like really fascinated by like finance investing and less fascinated with blood and surgeries. <laughs> and so, you know, I was able to get into Brigham Young University's MBA program. Part of that, if I like, you know, I wasn't married at the time and I was kind of thinking maybe, maybe she's, maybe my future missus is uh, hanging out down down in Utah County. I was living in Sugar House, Salt Lake at the time. And so yep. back I went and um, over the next couple of years, really focused on finance. I did, of course, you know, meet my future bride, you know, Liz, yep. uh, who's amazing. And um, so that's kind of how I, I got into finance. Um, but there's like some some funny little like nuggets, right? I mean, what you end up realizing is that stuff that sets you apart in the hard work category it is will always well at least for me i've never been smart enough uh to just be so smart that i i don't have to do the hard things or the other things yep and so i uh, because i know that and i'm willing to work you know um there's other people that work super hard but i, I think that's been what's gotten me most of my success is just being willing to put in more hours and do more um hard and, work beats talent every time 100 percent, every man. single time um, Angela Duckworth with grit. She wrote grit. Mm-hmm. Um, she's coming to speak at our conference on, uh, I think it's Tuesday. And she says, if talent counts, effort counts twice, you know, yep. she's saying, by the way, she's saying if talent counts, right. Um, anyway, so that's always been kind of the case. I think those things are really true. hundred percent. What was it? I listened on your thing. Todd said the other day, what did he say? The thing on his dad's wall oh life responds to effort yeah life responds to effort yeah i just like love that type of stuff it's um, it's the secret a thousand percent yeah so you ended up finance you met your wife and then you ended up on wall street like what does that even mean i don't even know what that means yeah so this stuff was like <laughs> that might be a dumb question so when i was your age i I was the same spot it wasn't until i was about 27 how old are you i'm 24 okay so i, I wasn't until 27 until i even knew what that started to mean yeah. But once I started to understand, I was like, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And it's like basically the investment stuff that I'm interested in and at the highest level, you know, and sounds like they all kind of hang out in New York and everybody I've talked <laughs> to that's had success in this career talks about how they moved their families to New York to be with the best firms and got all this experience. And a lot of them at some point kind of said, well, and then at that point, I either started my company or moved out West and I had some land and whatever. And so it was almost that simple you go listen to those people like casey that teach a class and you hear enough of them kind of say certain things it kind of makes sense you're just like i'm gonna go do that yep and so that's kind of what i did i was but to get there is like not such an easy thing right and so this is where the shameless side just kind of comes in right so like if you don't have experience in somebody's field and somebody else that's trying to get the same internship for example does like how are you going to compete with that Right. And so you can hustle, you can talk better, you can have some stories, but you know, you gotta, you gotta get scrappy and creative. So I literally, of course, prepared, I networked and tried to understand exactly what their business was and convey how I could add value. But also when I left, I wrote thank you cards and slid in signed baseball cards of myself. There we go. And and so (laughs) that was your edge. It's yeah. I mean, it's like embarrassing, but in some ways it's not embarrassing because I'm like, 
I'm actually kind of proud of that because it was like resourceful. And I was like, I really want this thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll do whatever I have to my advantage to do it. Oh, absolutely. You know? And not That's to say dope. every interview with every place that totally worked, but I do think at some level it set me apart. And um, as I just kept trying and getting told no and trying, but then also slipping baseball, you know, yep. <laughs> at some point I got a couple offers. <laughs> That's dope. And, See, yeah. that's dope. So then, then how was your experience there? Like, what was your experience while you were out there prior to now where you're at? Right. How long um, were you there? What was that? Yeah. What was that experience? It was amazing, man. I mean, as I'm like listening to myself talk and you're asking me these questions, you know, it's kind of, kind of cool because I'm just thinking about getting chewed up and spit out back on that high school team, mm-hmm. having been through that and those, those balls coming at you and you don't have the glove on getting smacked on the face and the chest and like, you go into a firm with really limited experience and they throw you right in the mix. I'm leading the investment committee meeting representing pensions, endowments, foundations. You know, I'm the lead person talking to 20 managing directors, which are like people with 20 plus years experience type stuff. Um, I'm leading a recommendation for XYZ pension and this, this endowment to invest a collective, you know, from 50 to like 500 plus million dollars into this particular private equity fund or deal. I'm, I'm on the front lines. It is almost like not fair that you should do that to a human being. (laughs) And they're just coming at me with all kinds of questions. I don't even fully understand the question. Yeah. (laughs) Let alone how to answer it. (laughs) You're like, uh, (laughs) so, I mean, I like when they say fake it to make it, it, you know, like there's never been something more true. I am just like pretending my way coming home to Liz being way too open with her about how much I'm pretending. She's terrified. She's terrified. She's she thinks like, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. And how, so how many years? Well, I guess first off, where did you get like, I mean, I assume baseball is a big part of it. And honestly goes probably all the way back to your, your high school coach. Yeah. But the confidence to go and like the confidence to fake it till you make it rather than breaking under the pressure. Cause a lot of people have an opportunity to go fake it till they make it in most careers. And, and they just kind of break, they like fall apart under pressure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's a great question. I think I have parents, um, that just gave me confidence. My dad, um, you know, and mom, I could remember distinctly them telling me and writing me letters when I was like out serving a mission and stuff like there's like greatness within you, son. You know what I mean? They'd say things that just seem to like sink into me that I now, as I have five kids, I think about it. I'm like, man, if I still think about some of these phrases that they said that I actually believed, I still believe and want to believe, man, I, I, I need to do that. I try to tell my daughters, I, I believe in you. You're beautiful. You're smart. You know, try to tell them that regularly. And anyway, so I think your parents, mm. my parents, I think, um, not giving up when it would have been so easy to quit back on that early, early story. Mm-hmm. Um, just it, getting your teeth kicked in out there in South America, talking about, you know, sometimes a controversial topic of religion, but also believing really strongly that it's, it, it would help people. Yeah. And it's your job while you're there, even though you're paying to be there and you're volunteering and just like, keep going and it'll get better yeah kind of thing and so i think it's just kind of hang, de- hanging in there yeah you literally you know? developed a habit of like hanging hanging in there like yeah. you developed a habit of just making it work 
which is really, really cool. Cause a lot of people, I, I think the reason I bring it up is because in my space, there are so many people that make, make decisions seem like such a small thing. Yeah. Like they make like, Oh, I'm going to like, ah, I tried it. Didn't work out. So I'm just going to go, even though their word is, Hey, like and in a very easy example, Hey, I'm going to be working with you until this date. Yeah. Right. Or until this time. And then midway through there, they're like, Oh yeah, it just didn't work out like how I thought it would. So it's, it's commitment, but it's, it's, it's extremely conditional. Whereas I think you went and developed what I think is one of the most important things in a lot of industries, which is just unconditional commitment. Like you were just like, our, it doesn't matter if these dudes are way smarter than me, asking me questions I don't even understand. I'm going to go figure out how to make it work, which yeah. is really, really cool. That's dope. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's not uh, crazy hard and you don't get embarrassed and you don't second guess and you don't think a lot about giving up that like that's human. Yep. But at the end of the day, your actions, if they continue to press forward, I just, I mean, it just eventually it has to work out. It's yep. going to work out. My favorite quote ever um, that I, that I try and teach my guys, literally my favorite quote. And I've said on a few of the, the episodes is you cannot beat someone who doesn't quit. And that for me resonates because I'm actually, I don't think I've ever really started something and just been like talented out the gates. Like yep. I have always had to like suck for a little while until yeah. I get decent and then I get okay. And then I get good. Then I can get great if I yep. stick with it. hundred percent. Right. So yeah. I, I love that. I think, um, you ever watch the movie Rocky? Oh yeah. I love that corny uh, stuff, dude. That like the Rocky so, movies, are the ones that have me like emotional. So there's a lot of parts for I'm, like I'm a movie geek and I, you know, it's a, kind of embarrassing how emotional I'll get watching like, you know, any movie, yeah. any Hallmark. Com- I'm the commercial, same way, you know, I'm the same way, <laughs> but there's like the Rocky stuff is your talk. And I'm thinking to myself, cause that's also how my brain is wired. Right. I can think of movies. I think of movie soundtracks and I'll think of movie quotes and I'll somehow remember something from 24 years ago. And people look at me like, how did anyway? Yeah. It's useless, but I, I do that. <laughs> and, and, uh, but Rocky, um, I think it's, there's multiple movies where he's just getting the crap kicked out of him. He's like, should quit. Right. Yep. I think it's Apollo Creed in particular, who was like the man and he's kind of coming in with the USA hat on. It's like a big joke that he's even fighting this guy, Rocky. Yeah. Rocky Balboa. Who the heck is that? Yeah. And like, it's just like, he's just beating on him, yep. beating on him. And he falls down, you know, the movie dramatized it, but it feels like he falls down seven, eight times and he yeah. gets back up and he gets back up. And he's just like landing square on his jaw again and again and yep. again. And Rocky just gets back up. And there's some point toward the end where Creed's starting to get a black guy and he's just getting tired and he's just looking over there and he's just like, that guy's not even human. Like, I don't think he's ever, I'm going to have to kill him yep. to win this boxing match. Yeah. And things start to change, you know? Yeah. And I just feel like if we can have a little bit of that Rocky DNA, yeah. you know? Um, so, and some of it's, you could go back to other things like in my mission, I remember seeing this like mat on a McDonald's tray in Spanish with a huge crowd of people at the local Uruguayan national soccer team match. And they're just going freaking bonkers. And, and what it said meant so much to me, both on the mission before and since said, dejando todo en la cancha. And it just said, leaving it all on the field. Right. And so there's some level of like, whether I'm so similar with that little things yeah. like that, get me every time. Yeah. And I literally went to them and I said, Hey, um, could I get like, how many of these things do you have? Hey, we've got a big old style. Like, could I get like 50 of them? Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 why? It's like, well, I have some other missionaries I want to talk to about this and I want to take some home and I want to put one on my wall one day. Please tell me you still have one. I do. 
Yes, that is so sick. I I framed that puppy. That's so sick. And so it's just like leaving it on the field. They talk about getting in the arena, right? Mm -hmm. You know, getting in the arena. uh, President Roosevelt talks about that and just like, what does that even mean, right? It means like to take a chance. It means to go after, maybe it's starting a company or it's going out for your first summer. Who knows? Like how scary is that? Especially if you're on like 100% commission. Yeah. Like, man, is it going to work or not? Yep. How am I going to know? Yep. And you just got a freaking charge at it. Yeah. You know, and I respect the hell out of people and in large part through who I know, Casey, but also other friends of mine um, that just have been able to do so much and they, just the people they become because you have to be so tough in what you guys do. Um, but it's taken that that leap and because there's no guarantees. You actually might fail. Yeah. And it's to- you can't fully guarantee that. Um, but if you never take a chance, if you never try it, like there's some amount of dignity mm-hmm. that you're just never going to fully have. Right. Yep. Um, I was just watching Hamilton this morning on the treadmill mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, <laughs> the studio the guys front. are loving this. And what's his name? Burr. You guys seen that? I haven't seen Hamilton. Okay. I haven't seen it. So like, um, he's talking about being in the room where it happens. You know that part? And like he wasn't in the room. Like he, in some ways he wasn't, he never got in the arena fully. Right. And Hamilton was Hamilton. It's not going to throw away a shot. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, you just look at that and you say to yourself, I want to be in the freaking room when it happens. I want to like be in the arena for better or worse, whether I win or I don't, you know, anyway, Tom, Tom, a shot. Tom Brady's uh, documentary is called man in the arena. That's um, dope. Anyway. That's dope. So you can cut all that stuff out if you want. <laughs> so- um, <laughs> But I, I like it. I think we leave it all. Yeah. Um. So, so honestly talking a lot, it's like, it's a very, when we go through people's stories and this is why I love it so much and why honestly it's so valuable to me and why we do it the way we do it right now is it's like you go and you see like these battles where you're triumphant or you fail, but then you come back and you bounce back and everyone that we sit down with, they go and they capitalize long-term. Right. And there's a lot of these battles throughout life that are like, college sports, professional sports, business, investing, just, just like life things. Family, honestly, is a huge one. Um, but then there's kind of the game of life, like the battle of life where that regardless of all these external things, um, and if you don't mind sharing, but these, these external things can look amazing and be perfect. But like, to me, the battle of life is more of like a spiritual battle. Like you are like internally, emotionally battling the ups, the downs and everything like that. And I just listened to your podcast that just came out super recently and I, and I loved it and it was super, super powerful. Um, but you talked a lot towards the end of it about like that and what I would, what I would identify as like the, the battle of life, not on the surface, like not all these tangible things, but the battle of life elsewhere where it's like everything can be amazing, but something inside may not be quite right that needs to get there, whatever it may be. And your experience, like I'm curious on your experience with that and things you found that have worked and like your lows and your highs and all of that. And, and yeah, you got to get yourself right. Get yourself and right. get your loved ones right. And that stuff matters. That's core. Yeah. And so, um, I think, you know, my wife's been amazing. She's uh smart, talented, supporting, loving, uh, beautiful. We're amazing with our kids. Um, yeah. And just patience with me and, you know, and that what's hard for her and for anybody is just like the nature of it is, can be so different. It can be, you know, frankly, it's just kind of invisible to most people, right? If you yeah. have a, if I, if you have a broken arm and I see a cast on your arm or, or the arm is literally just busted. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Can I help you? Yeah. Right? 
Um, if you got something going on inside, especially if you're good at pretending, which I think most of us are, uh, cause we don't want to see, we don't want people to feel, I'm going to speak for myself. I, I haven't talked about this um, with anybody for 20 years. That has been a thing for me, um, where I've had struggles and medication and stuff and, um, some, some lows, periodic real lows. Um, um, and I guess I would say why not until recent, I think it's, uh, largely just tied to fear, mm. right? At the, at its basis level, it's fear. It's fear of somehow if I talk about it, maybe it'll get bigger, not smaller. All these narratives it becomes real. If you say it out loud, and frankly, it's scarier to me than that investment committee that we were talking about. Yep. Um, at, at this point, but I'm, you know, I think it's the right, let me, let me tell you the main two reasons. One, I feel like it's liberating so that you can be more real and authentic with others and with yourself. And you can feel like you left it on the field. You can feel like, you know, you went for it and you did the harder thing, not yeah. the easier thing. But I think the bigger reason is that like, I just think there's so many more people that are dealing with that, that we just don't know. Yep. And that people are scared to talk about. I mean, I, I remember hearing Michael Phelps on a podcast, talk about getting admitted because of mental health issues that he had. And it completely blew me away because he had 29 gold medals. He's Michael Phelps household name. Yeah. How does that guy have challenges with this thing that I have challenge with? That can't, that like doesn't make any sense. That doesn't compute. Yeah. But then I watched him talk about it and go through it. And the way he talked about it and described some of his feelings and some of his fears was exactly what I was dealing with. And I kind of knew like this guy's not that he'd be like BSing about it, but I was like, that's legit. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's dealt with some of this stuff and, at some level, but then I say, well, but I don't have 29 golds, you know, yeah. maybe if I had 29 golds, I'd, I'd talk about this and be, <laughs> be vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's always that other voice. Yeah. You have like the voice that comes to realization and then the one that's always like yeah. kind of nitpicking it. Yeah. So that, I guess what I would tell you is, um, I'm still working on it. I'm work. I'm working through, I might go see anyway, a new doctor. I, I try my morning routines are they're important for all of us you guys have routines i'm sure there's all kinds of stuff there's study there's readings there's meditation there's tony robbins type stuff there's certainly exercise yeah mantras i mean there's so cold plunge whoop bands i mean sleep like uh, so i'm i'm trying to be take that stuff in everybody it's important for me i feel like it's almost more survival and there's no guarantees you know a few weeks mm. ago when i was at one of my absolute lowest I, i'd spent three four hours doing that type of stuff and it just didn't make the difference mm -hmm. so um but i do know that the things in our control if we do them right consistently we're gonna get the out we're gonna have a way better chance of getting the outcomes anyway so um Re yeah really powerful man thank you yeah I, like i appreciate you sharing and and so there's two points this podcast like the number one the number one thing that we want to go and do is bring people up here that are inspiring so that's one part of the podcast yeah but what i think is more important than inspiring is going and relating them to everybody else like yep. because then people understand holy cow we're all kind of playing the same game yep in some form or facet we're all kind of playing the same yeah, game I agree with that and the really, really important thing is that we master the game that gets less attention. The game that gets talked about less is actually the important stuff. Everything else is great. Like the money's great. The success is great. All of that's great. But going and kind of mastering that game is even more important. And hearing it come from people like, like yourself, like a Todd, like a Casey, that's why 
to me, like that's what changed my life. Right. And I think that's what makes it so valuable is people get to go and be like, holy crap. Like, like your situation with Michael Phelps is exactly if, if this podcast can do that for one person, it was worth it for me. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because then when you have like the understanding at, or you at least have like the, the recognition of, okay, like this is a game kind of everyone's playing or a fight. Everyone's kind of fighting. You can go and kind of remove that negative voice. That's always comparing and making it worse. And it doesn't fix everything, but it definitely goes and make, gives you kind of like a little light at the end of the tunnel, if that makes sense, which I think yeah. is super powerful. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. I, I want to add one, one little piece, which is hard to articulate. Um, but there's something in the weakness of it that like has made me this way better human that if I didn't have this kind of going on mm-hmm. for a long time, mm-hmm. there's something in it that like melts away the pretenses and it melts away the things that you might think are important because you just realize that like when you break through and you're happy and you're present and like you're through the dark clouds, mm-hmm. you just value that and savor that in a way that I don't think I would if like, I, you know, it was all the time I felt so good. Exactly. So, I, you know, I just, and you also just so humbled. It's just like, I, I don't, who am I, you know, like I, I'm still dealing with this thing, yep. but it, it puts me in a spot where I feel like I can be, um, I don't know, I, more empathetic to people. And just, I have some real genuine sense that everybody that I'm talking to right now, including you, any of you guys, like you got something that's really hard and I may not know about it. Um, just like you wouldn't know that about me. Yeah. I think exactly what you're saying, dude. I I love what you're saying. And again, we've talked a little bit, but I went to the Hoffman process and in the Hoffman process, you talk a lot about this and, and the best way that I've found to kind of articulate what you just kind of explained, um, that makes sense to me is literally like, once you go and you accept that, like once you accept the fact that everything is not perfect and it's never going to be. Yeah. And everybody has their own thing. You now approach things through a totally different lens, a lens of compassion and love and acceptance and rather than a lens of comparing and judgment and everything like that. So like, so it's so cool to hear you say it. And like, I, for me alone, like literally so cool to hear you say it. And I know that it's for way more than just myself for everybody else listening. So I'm going to give you a reading assignment. I'd love it. Uh, I love reading assignments. As we know, okay. I love reading assignments. Yeah, this, you're old enough where I'm not going to pay you money. You just got to go. You just got to go read it, bro. <laughs> I'll pay you after. How about that? I'll pay you. <laughs> but it will be worth whatever money I'd give you. It's it's just this book that you may have heard of that the you know legend Steve Young recently wrote called The Law of Love. Mm-hmm. And he just like articulates this stuff in a really beautiful, masterful kind of way. And it's from somebody who's kind of seen everything, done everything. And, um, but also had struggles that he gets into in the book, the way of love, uh, the law, the law, the law of, love. of love. Yeah. And it's basically just, and more or less what we've been talking about, just like approaching each day. Like how, how, who is it that day? It's what Todd just talked about when I listened to your thing, like who is it that day that you could have an impact on? Yeah. And you might know, like if I look at my day, today as of this morning like i'm gonna come meet with you i have this other call you know and so there's some things and i sometimes will even whiteboard it but like who can i kind of heal today who could i have an impact on today yeah and you go write that down and but i always put like stranger one two and three 
Yeah, I love that. You were you telling me about I mean? that. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, it's something new that I've been kind of doing. And I wrote the Who Can I Heal today? Because I got this, you know, kind of like Casey, you know, uh, what am I grateful for? What am I proud of? What are my biggest opportunities type of stuff? Yep. But I added that one recently because I, and it actually makes a difference because then I'm actually thinking about it. I take more time with that person and I'm, I actually believe, you know, I don't know, make it big religious, but I actually believe God will uh, probably direct me to people if he knows that I'm open to that. You know what I mean? Yep. And then I have these beautiful experiences, especially when I'm not being transactional. I'm not, I'm not just like, well, I'm just going to tip them big and out I go or, I don't know, say something nice and bounce, but to actually genuinely try to, and I, I'll never be perfect at this stuff by the way, but um, yeah. I think, um, so valuable. You know, so I think you check that you report back, bro. So valuable. I will. That's he's my, coming to speak at our conference in a minute. I know we're giving the mic for 60 minutes uh, to talk about this very thing. It's going to be unreal. Um, so I'm very excited about it. That's going to be unreal. Well, dude, literally every time I sit down, especially with people that I just like, I connect with really well, or I like a lot. Time fly, like literally flies by. I've already been recording over an hour, so yeah, yeah. I'm respectful of your time, the studio's time, and everyone's time. But Dave, literally, man, I love you. I appreciate you getting vulnerable. I appreciate you sharing so much, and kind of the nuggets that you shared so impactful. So I appreciate you big time. Thank you for coming on today's day and making time for it. Absolutely, man. Yes, sir. And then it's everybody watching, thank you. Much love. Until next time. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Um, as always, it was a blast for me. I hope you got something out of this. If you got something out of this video of value, share this with a friend and please go show your love. We're on all streaming platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Any ratings, comments, likes, shares, they go a very long way and they make it so I can keep doing these things for you. And I would appreciate it greatly. So please go share with a friend. Until next time. <laughs>